0: Hey, this is Dave Pryor for Drunken PM Radio. In this podcast, you're going to be listening to an interview with Justin Handler. Now, Justin is the head of accounts at O3 World. O3 World is a digital agency based in Philadelphia. And what they do is they specialize in digital product design and development. So they work with their clients uh, from development of the initial concept on through implementation and into support. So they're able to provide a long term solution that helps their clients as they manage developing products for web, mobile, e commerce. App development, basically everything that would fall under the digital umbrella. One of the reasons I wanted to talk to Justin is because he's been at O3 World for a while and he's been involved with the experiments that they've run to try to implement Agile. So he's got a really good sense of what works and what doesn't. And this interview is part of the research that I've been doing for a presentation I'm going to be giving this fall at the Digital PM Summit. So uh, October 15th through the 17th in Las Vegas is the fifth annual Digital PM Summit. And I'm going to be there leading a session on how to hack Agile to make it work in a digital agency. Um, So in addition to my own experience with that stuff and the things I pick up when working with different clients, um, I'm also trying to do a lot of research and speak to people who have been heavily involved in this type of work. So I've already got a couple interviews up um, on that topic. This one with Justin is kind of in that same line of thinking. So another reason I wanted to talk to Justin is because he's one of the people behind DPM Philly. So within Philadelphia, the digital project management community has a local group and they have meetups there where people that work... In digital project management get together and share a lot of great ideas. Now th- there are groups all around the, the world that focus on digital PM. But Philly's one of the, I think, one of the best communities for it because that's where the Digital PM Summit and all the work that Brett Hart and the folks he works with at Bureau of Digital kind of got started. So uh, it's a really exciting community to be a part of. And if you're in that area, I would definitely encourage you to check it out. You can go to meetup.com slash dpm-philly or just follow them on Twitter. It's at dpmphilly. Now, one last thing before we start. One last thing to mention before we get going. If you're going to be attending the DPM Summit, again, it's October 15th through the 17th in Las Vegas, and you're interested in taking some Agile training or getting your CSM certification, Certified Scrum Master... I'm going to be leading a special CSM training class right before the conference starts. So it's October 14th and the 15th. If you're attending the conference, we have a special discount just for conference attendees. The reason for doing the class right before the conference is to try to create a space where a bunch of folks who work in digital agencies can get together, take a CSM class, but look at it all through the lens of digital project management. So we're going to cover all the required material. You'll qualify for your CSM, but what I'm hoping will happen in the room is all the discussion that we have, talk about implementing Scrum, how to make it work. We're going to be able to look at that within the context of digital agencies. So if you're attending the DPM Summit this fall and you'd like to learn more about that CSM training, you could hit me up on Twitter or just go to leadingagile.com training. And the class again is going to take place on November 14th and 15th in Las Vegas, Nevada. Now, all the bills are paid. Time to get started with the podcast. Thanks for listening. Hey, this is Dave Pryor for projectmanagement.com. Today, I have Justin Handler, who's carved time out of his morning so we can talk about um, how the company he works for has been able to take agile practices and put them into play in a digital environment. So, Justin, thanks for taking time out of your morning. Of course. Thanks for having me, Dave. Um can you, before we get into the actual meat of the conversation, for the folks that aren't familiar with you or O3, can you give a little bit of background on kind of your role and and talk a little bit about the company and what you guys do?
1: Yeah, of course. Um, so my name is Justin Handler. I'm a head of accounts at O3 World. We are a digital product design and development agency in Philadelphia, in the Fishtown part of uh, the city. So Which is the spec- hip
0: part now for those of you who aren't familiar That's right, with Philly. Right,
1: right. Exactly. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, no worries. So, um, so yeah, so we specialize in digital product design and development. So everything from uh, strategy upfront through UX, UI, uh, user testing, ongoing work for digital products through development. Uh, both front end, back end development takes place in house. Uh, so we have about thirty employees now. Uh, company is twelve years old. Um, I've actually been here for seven years. So my official title is head of accounts. Um, so my background is in project management as well as account management. Okay. I was a project manager and a lead project manager here for, um, almost my entire tenure, but officially for, for about five, six years. Um, and now I oversee a team of four project managers as well as overseeing our accounts and projects at a strategic level.
0: Okay. And about how many projects do you guys have in flight at any given time?
1: That's a great question. I mean, it's they all vary in size. Yeah. Um, but we probably have about across the 15, 16 projects going on, and then maybe six, seven of those are, are pretty large scale product builds.
0: Okay. And so and for project managers, the reason that I'm asking is because for folks that folks that aren't familiar with this space, um, I wanted to try to give them a sense of vertigo with the fact that in your world there's usually because there's projects of varying shapes and sizes a lot in play at a time and many people are expected to manage multiple things at one time
1: that's exactly right yeah so uh, depending on the project manager and the clients that we have you know some of our project managers obviously have more projects that they're managing with most of the projects being maybe on the smaller side and then we have a couple of project managers that have you know three or four projects that are on the larger size um, okay. but it really depends on Client and the project manager, uh, their skill set, and kind of who fits best for which client and projects.
0: Okay. Do you guys focus on any particular kind of client, or is it just across the board? Just, just not different types of work in Philly.
1: Yeah, we're not focused uh, specific to any um, industry or vertical, um, but we tend to do a lot in the fintech space. So okay, uh, we work a lot in financial. Um, we do have some retail clients, and we. Um you know just kind of a mix of B2B type businesses as well we do a lot of kind of corporate enterprise type work uh, enterprise level products uh, as well as enterprise level uh web development projects as well
0: okay now with the reason that we're talking today is we, want, uh, we wanted to talk about how you guys have been able to um employ agile practices like what's working what's not but before we get into that I wanted to ask how long have you guys been trying to bring agile into the building cuz you said you've been there for for seven years. That's thats quite a while.
1: Yeah, it, it's quite a while. Um, so we started incorporating some of these methodologies into our process probably about three years ago. I actually took your course uh, here in Philly and got Scrum certified, uh, myself and our development director. And after that, we really started to inject some of the processes that we felt would work well for us. And it's definitely been a bit of trial and error, but I, I would say over the past three, four years, it's it's um it's really helped improve our process and now I'd say we're at a point where um it's working working really smoothly.
0: So I'm really curious about this so when you guys left the class I mean we go through if, for those of you who haven't taken a CSM class it's basically you cover all the basics of how Scrum is supposed to work and when folks leave after 2 days um, you've poured so much information at them. There's no possible way they're going to retain everything. <laughs> you just sort of hope that you're planting a seed that's going to stick. But what did you guys go back and try to do first, if you can remember?
1: Yeah, I do remember. Actually, the, the first thing that we got into was estimating. So at the time, I think it was our estimating process was a bit like the wild, wild west. There was no real rhyme or reason to it. Okay. Um, so we started to... We started to estimate, but we started estimating with the team, kind of doing the actual work, which was definitely a big takeaway from the the classes. Kind of this method of collaboration and making sure the full team is involved from kind of start to finish. And uh, I think the first thing we tried was estimating. We we had people start to break down their their own task work and break it up into hours. I know okay. some people do it by points. We do it by hours, um, and we try to basically have the team break up their work, uh, based on hours in manageable chunks. So eight hours or less. Okay, And you know, that took some trial and error. Um, we've gotten it to the point where, you know, it's working well for us. And, um, but yeah, I would say that was the first thing that we tried.
0: Do you think that that gave, um, gave them a better sense of like how they were spending their time and how good they were at estimating and things like that?
1: Yeah, I think you find out pretty quickly how uh, tricky estimating can be. Um, it definitely gave the team a sense of not only ownership, right? Because we're we're basically asking them to own their own estimates. But like you said, it is kind of self evaluation, right? So they would the, the team has to go back and understand how long similar type tasks have taken in the past, so that they can provide accurate estimates um, moving
0: forward. Okay. And what was the thing that you tried after class that just flat out didn't work where you tried to put it, it was just a total disaster and you just walked away and were like that part's not gonna work for us.
1: Yeah, I don't know that there was anything that was a complete disaster. I think what what I learned pretty quickly was that we had to be flexible. And I think, you know, in, in the article that I wrote about this, um, you know, that's one of the main things that, that we really had to take into consideration is um, you know, there's no way to take this process into at least our agency one for one. Um, But, you know, being flexible with the various types of methodologies and and things that we're trying to incorporate into our process was kind of a big um, eye-opening experience, right? So stand-ups, we talk about doing stand-ups daily in scrum training. Well, when you're doing them daily in an agency setting, when you have clients with um, budgets, maybe they're fixed budgets or maybe they're T&M with a cap, Um, you don't always have the time to do those things. So I think very quickly we realized that, okay, we want to do stand-ups. They're great for the process. They're great for the team, but maybe we can't do them every day. Maybe we need to do them every other day. Maybe we need to do them once a week, depending on the project. So it was kind of more trial and error with the various types of things.
0: So I'm curious about this. Is that because the customer is putting pressure on you or because you feel like a daily standup is 15 minutes that we're not working, it would be better to spend that time coding something.
1: Um, I think it's more about being efficient, right? So, you know, obviously in an agency setting, really any setting when there's a, a client involved, you, you've you got a budget. So the project managers need to determine, is 15 minutes every single day with a project team of eight, is that worth the time towards the budget? Okay. And that time maybe production work? Uh, it's kind of a give and take, but, you know, it is up to the project managers and myself um, to kind of outline this at the the start of the project. So we, we have a pretty good idea going into a project. How many how many stand ups per week we're going to do over the course of X number of week, weeks or months, et cetera. So we have a sense of what that's going to translate into the budget.
0: OK, now I guess there's a part of me. There's a big part of me that wants to, to argue both sides of this argument, like violently with you, like <laughs> I want <to> start just <laughs> cursing at you and it's telling you, know, it, you're I wrong. And there's it. another part of me that we get. Like, yeah, totally get it, man. Um, if you if you say so, just going with this idea of a couple stand standups a week, let's say it's two or three a week. Do you then size the work accordingly? Like I would say one of the reasons we need to stand up every day is because the work's so small. We have to talk about the progress and what's left. But if I was doing less than one a day. I might want to size work a little bit. I mean, I, it sounds like a wrong thing to say, but I feel like I'd want to size work a little bit bigger so that it wasn't changing as quickly.
1: Yeah. The, you know, it's tough. I, I definitely could argue both ways. I think, um, maybe, maybe taking a step back, you know, while we maybe don't do the standards every day, that doesn't mean that our communication and collaboration about the work goes away. I think, Tools like Slack and other systems have enabled us to maybe not meet in person every day and spend 15 minutes. But we're communicating so frequently that, you know, we're not really there's not really that much of a gap between when we're actually touching
0: base. So let's talk about that, because I think that could be a really valuable thing for people. So if you're if you're not having a stand up every day, I mean, is everyone in the same physical space or are they distributed?
1: Yeah, we are. We're we're all here in Fishtown. But you know that actually, where you're going with this brings up a good point. We've actually, uh, with several of our clients, we've actually incorporated them into our Slacks, and okay. actually, while we can't be there physically with them, we'll actually do Slack standups with our clients. So, um, and it's it's usually a little bit quicker than fifteen minutes because you're not gathering around. So. Um, you know, you're able to gain some of those efficiencies and the, the touching base and making sure everybody's communicating yeah. uh, without having to physically be with, you know, whether it's a client or a team member that's not in the office, whatever the case may be. Um, so that's, that's actually something that we've incorporated in the last year, and it's worked out quite well.
0: Okay. Are there other tools that you use besides Slack, or is that kind of the main method of communication?
1: Slack's the main method of communication. I think because we're all in the same physical space, we communicate a ton. Yeah. Uh, we also use Trello to kind of facilitate things, and, and that's another great tool.
0: Does your client and, get uh, access to your Trello board?
1: It depends on the client. Okay. Uh, we always offer it. The same thing with Slack. Some clients don't want to be in Slack. Some clients want to be in Slack. Some clients want to come to our stand-ups in person. It really depends on the,
0: the on client, the level of
1: engagement, et cetera. Okay, um, but I think at that point, Dave is something that's really important here is that um, you know while we we're taking these various aspects of scrum and kind of working it into our process, it's the flexibility that allows it to work. Right? Yeah. so we're not trying to take these things one for one as they're taught and kind of work them into our process, but we're kind of molding them into the process as it makes sense for each client and project. Well, I I, I think another another
0: thing to consider is that in the digital space, at least from, from what I see and from what I remember, because I'm old now, but when we go to the conference, it's a much (laughs) younger crowd and they're much more open to adopting brand new tools right out of the gate and trying all different kinds of things and mix and matching. And, it's easy for me to like climb up on the porch and be like, no, you have to be in the same room in front of the board, looking at each other. But if that's not how the the kids today interact, then I think there's a place in which agile needs to meet them and adjust to yeah, them totally, a little bit.
1: I totally agree. And I think that that level of flexibility has really enabled us to, to gain these efficiencies that the the processes are so great with.
0: So I think this is really important because it's kind of a hidden thing. Like it's, it's it's common for me to hear somebody from an agency say, we don't have a stand-up every day. It's also common to hear them say, and we use Slack. And connecting those two things as ways of supplementing communication is not necessarily something I would automatically do in my head. Um, so I'm really glad that you said that. Um, yeah. Can you talk a little bit about the workflow and how UX plays into all this? Because when we talked before, that was something that I think was pretty significant I was hoping we could spend some time on.
1: Yeah, of course. Um, So, so there's definitely uh, there's always this question about how do you work in UX in the sprints, and I've heard that from a lot of people. So for us, you know, I kind of bucket our projects into two phases. We kind of have our large scale product builds that are ongoing retainer type work, right? And then we have our large scale enterprise web work. Um, I think when you're talking about product work, we Absolutely, can start with design sprints. Um, you can, you can absolutely do one or two week sprints where you're totally focused on UX/UI. Um, I find that in the large scale web builds, the more traditional websites, um, it's a little bit tougher to to do them in design sprints. Um, so what you and I had talked about a couple of weeks ago is that we will we won't necessarily do UX in a waterfall capacity, but we'll. Allow UX to work through several iterations before we begin actual sprint work with development. Okay. So we'll allow the wireframes and the information architecture and the strategy to kind of come together and form not necessarily a requirement, but or or an approval from the client, but at least enough of a team, and team meaning our team as well as the client incorporated into that. Yeah. Enough of an understanding of what we're building so that. We're not wasting time when we go to actually start development sprints.
0: Okay. So can I, can I pause you there to ask some questions to clarify for all the people whose heads are spinning backwards right now? Because straight up agile <laughs> would say, and I'm and i and I'm not saying this to make, to, to make fun of what you're doing, but I think it's important to clarify that the straight up agile people would say, nope, that's a waste of time. Design's got to be part of the team. You start all at once. You finish all at once. There's no reason why you can't be developing from day one. And I totally understand why the counter argument would be in place. And I think in certain circumstances, it does make a ton of sense to have design start in advance. But the question I want to ask is in your organization, would design be part of, if you're doing scrum, part of the scrum team?
1: Absolutely, yeah.
0: So they're just kicking in a little bit earlier.
1: Yeah, of course. So um, make no mistake about it, we overlap. uh, The full team is involved from start to finish. What I'm talking about is maybe giving design a little bit of a head start. Yeah. Right. So that we just have a little bit more formed in terms of what we're building and a a definite more understanding of what's being built collectively, not just with the product team, but the the client as well. So that, um, you know, again, I say not wasting time, but what I mean is just more of an understanding not building stuff you're going to throw away. Exactly. So Yes, the, the UX team, the UI team, they are fully involved in the project team. Okay, um, They just get a little bit of a head start in most cases so that, um, in my opinion, gaining a little bit more efficiency when it comes to full team knowledge of what's yeah. being built.
0: So do you have anybody on the technical side that's going to be um, represented when UX is doing that initial work? Absolutely,
1: Yeah. So we do internal reviews of all the work. Um, It's not always at the end of the sprint. Uh, We do sometimes do reviews in sprint, whether it's at a standup or a more formal meeting. But absolutely, we have a lead developer as well as a developer on all of our projects. If it's larger, we might have multiple developers. That's very common. But they're absolutely involved in all of those reviews so that they can give their input uh, throughout the process as well.
0: Okay. Okay. I want to switch gears a little bit. I've got one more kind of main thing I want to ask you about with user stories so, or, or or requirements. How are you capturing requirements?
1: It's a great question. So it it depends on the project to some degree, but uh, we will have high level technical requirements for the project so that we have an understanding of at a high level what, what's being built. Um, we will actually create formal functional outlines uh, depending on the project where we actually break down the the features and functionality. Um, When we're doing large-scale product development, we're capturing those kind of throughout the process, right? So there's not necessarily a formal uh, requirements document because we're building this in an ongoing capacity, but every sprint we're doing sprint planning and we're hashing out the functionality with the UX team and the development team
0: As we go along. So where are you getting the items for the, for the product backlog that you pull from to go into the sprint and how are you capturing those? Or are those, those big like epic like things you were just talking about a moment ago?
1: Yeah. So, you know, again, I'm going to go back to, it depends on the project. Um, A lot of our products are products that we've been building for many years. So the backlog is prioritized and groomed with our clients helping to define where their priorities are set. So we have that built. I'm more of a, you know, more confined project that maybe isn't ongoing at this time. Um, you know, at the beginning of the project, there's some semblance of a backlog and features that need to be built. So we'll work with the client, we'll work with the team to kind of prioritize that. Now, in in our process, it's on the project manager to groom the backlog. Okay. Um, again, it's kind of this team effort, you know, on these ongoing product builds, we're doing that with our clients. Um, physically, you know, prioritizing as we go, uh, right? So um, for the other projects, we're doing it as a collective team internally where we're kind of breaking up the backlog and the priorities, et cetera, as to what makes sense for the project.
0: Okay. And are you writing stuff out in some cases as user stories or are you just capturing them in whatever way seems most natural for that client and that project?
1: Yeah, I think it's whatever seems most natural for that uh, client and project. I I definitely like to give that up to the project managers. Uh, We've definitely done projects where every Trello card is broken up into user stories, some other projects where they're broken up more into specific features and and smaller kind of details. Yeah, Uh, It really depends.
0: Okay. So when you talked about that technical work that's being done up front, is that happening in parallel to the initial UX work, or are they kind of staggered out separately?
1: Okay. So everybody's
0: engaged at the same time at the very beginning. You're just doing... Kind of your due diligence up front before you get started, you might say. Exactly. Okay. Yeah, I would
1: say one of the biggest things that we learned um, in, in incorporating this process into into this agency is that the whole team needs to be involved from day one. Um, there's okay. no passing things down the line. There's no waterfall effect. It's literally the entire project team is kicking off with the client and seeing it all the way through. Uh, the entire project team reviews deliverables on each side of the fence, whether it's UX, UI, development. Um, so yeah, the whole team is involved.
0: Okay. Now you've talked about the client a lot, which is, is I think for the, for the digital folks I talk to, you've mentioned the client more times than, than people often do. How important do you think it is for other agencies if they're heading down this path that they place a significant amount of effort on helping the client into this method of working? Or do your clients show up already knowing what it is?
1: Yeah. So they definitely don't show up knowing what it is. Um, and you need to you need to be adaptive to the client, right? So okay. some of our clients are totally engaged. They want to be part of the project team. Some of them don't want to be engaged and be part of the project team. You got to kind of feel it out a little bit. Okay. Um like I said, some of our clients are actually on Slack with us. And many of our clients actually were doing co-development where we're developing portions of the project, their team is developing portions of the project, and we're actually one big team. So uh, again, I I go back to kind of depends on the type of engagement that we have set up, but um, you just have to kind of be flexible. I mean, there are some that you can tell right up front just aren't going to understand what we're doing and would rather just get updates in status report form. And there's some that literally want to be in stand-ups with us and be on Slack with us and in Trello, um, I always kind of leave it up to the client and the project manager. We kind of open it up and see what level what of engagement they'd like. Exactly. Um, okay. But to your first point, I mean, about being client focused, obviously I'm head of account, so yeah. I'm very client focused. <laughs> I think it has to be, right? I yeah. mean, we want this process not just to be really good for us, but you want it to, to work really well for our clients. I think a lot of times, they're maybe maybe they are unfamiliar with these processes, and uh, the contracts are structured maybe a little bit differently than they're used to. So it takes some time to build up that trust and understanding of why these processes are are so efficient and really do kind of put the product in the client's hand, right? Because yeah. they ha- they're forced to prioritize, they're forced to understand what we mean when we're estimating and um, kind of helping drive the. The project and products
0: well since you've been there um since before you started to implement agile i'm wondering if what, what your thoughts are about the idea of if, if the nature of the relationship has evolved a bit and maybe you're not as an agency treated so much as you know the the, the redheaded stepchild downstairs that the agents that the sorry your client has that they can just boss around and make do whatever they want and snap their fingers and you're going to jump. Um, has this right. partnership helped to change the nature of the relationship?
1: Yes. So I don't think since I've been at O3, I don't think we've ever had that type of client. Uh, oh, we're good. definitely pretty picky okay. in the right partner. So I do hear that a lot, especially when I interview people, what are clients like, etc yeah uh, I've never been in a situation where clients are – kind of treating us like that, which is really kind of says something great about
0: this yeah. uh, company. Says a lot. But
1: um, yeah, I mean, I definitely know what you mean. And I would say that um, developing these projects the way that we do in this ongoing capacity with this type of process, I think it definitely develops a level of trust as well as a level of ownership for both sides. Yeah. Right. Because the client has to be engaged for this to work. Uh, we have to be Sharp in our estimates and enabled in order to manage it effectively and show them that it works. So, um, yeah, I absolutely think that this process has not only increased collaboration for us internally by having the whole team involved from the start, but um, also with our clients as well.
0: Cool, all right, thank you. Um, so if there's an agency that's considering starting to adopt Agile, what is um one word of caution that you would offer them, like something you'd want to warn them against something kind of a pitfall that you encountered that you wish you had known about beforehand. Sure.
1: Yeah. I would say don't try and do it all at once. Okay. Right. So we talked about a couple of weeks ago, we talked about how we've kind of brought bits and pieces of it over. Yeah. Tried things out. Right. You know, we talked about doing estimating first. I think the, the second thing we tried doing was the standups and, that worked really well. Right. So then we moved into doing sprint planning and, and that took some time to iron out. So this process has, it definitely took some time for us to get, get it right in terms of what works for O3. Okay. Um, but I think we were smart in the sense that we didn't try and do everything all at once by the book directly as it's kind of said. So we're taught, I should say. Yeah. And that worked really well. And I would say the number one thing that, that we've been talking about that really kind of help things flow naturally was getting the entire team involved from day one i would say that's the number one thing that um has helped us through this process Helped the team develop do you mean mean agile transition
0: or on an agile project or both
1: both just kind of involving the team all the way from from the start i think originally you know Back in the day, we used to do things purely waterfall and, you know, the stories of designers handing things off to developers yeah. and exe- all of handing those. Handing things stories, off right? is a
0: nice nice way of putting it. I think throwing it at them is better.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Throwing it and hitting it at them. So, um, you know, when we came back and, and started to work these uh, methodologies into our process, yeah. that's the number one thing is having everybody involved, having team ownership, Having the entire team's buy-in on what's going on with the project um, was the, the best thing that we ever did, and uh, I don't think we could ever do it another way.
0: Cool. All right, thank you very much. So if folks want to get in touch with you and ask you some more questions about this, what's the best way? Well, you should probably give the, the URL for the company website too, but what's the best way for them to reach you?
1: Sure. So to reach me, you can, you can email me at handler, that's H-A-N-D-L-E-R, At O3world.com.
0: Okay, and the URL is O3world.com? That's right, yep. And you're on the Twitter? You want to do that one too?
1: Yeah, you can hit me on Twitter as well. It's just at Justin Handler. Okay. Nothing fancy there.
0: All right, cool. Man, thank you very much. I really appreciate you doing this. This was great. And hopefully I'll see you uh, in Vegas in the fall.
1: Yeah, hopefully.
0: Cool. All right, thanks, man. Thank you. I'll talk to you soon.